here. Welcome to the Fit Mom Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. Hello, welcome, welcome back. My name's Brittany. I'm so excited to be here with you today. If it's your first listen and you want to find out more about who I am, what I do, etc., come follow me on Instagram at Fit Mom Life to the Fullest. You can also check out fitmomlifetothefullest.com and see more about what I offer and things like that. Today we are, and if you already know me, then you know you've been here. Thanks for being here and you've heard the spiel. We are going to talk about a pretty sensitive subject. You already know if you clicked the title and were intrigued by it, but we're going to talk about emotional eating. And this is a topic I've definitely strayed away from and thank, thankfully, you know, I've had some encouragement from listeners to bring this topic up and I have seen it before pop up and thought, you know, I'm just not equipped to talk about this, but you know what? So that's my disclaimer with this. I don't consider myself an expert in this field. I definitely am not a psychologist or counselor or any of those things, but the reality is I'm training two clients right now and always training at least one who, yeah, I I really have in the last decade. I've always trained at least one person throughout the entire time who has struggled with even, I mean, I think all of us, I don't want to say all of us, many of us struggle with emotional eating to a degree, but I've worked with many, many clients who are actually seeing a counselor for that kind of food disorder or binge eating disorder or whatever. And some of us might honestly have those kind of tendencies and just have never worked with somebody. So this might resonate with you. It might not at all. It might be totally out of left field. You can always, you know, feel free to go ahead and skip and I'll catch you on the next one, but it might apply to somebody close to you as well that it might help you out thinking like, oh, well that, you know, take something away from it that helps you see things differently to help others, maybe not necessarily yourself if this isn't something you struggle with. So again, my disclaimer, I I, the, I don't have a background in this. I'm not a psychologist. I don't claim to know why people do the things we do, why we do the things we do, but I'm just doing what I do with everything, which is looking at something as objectively as I can, looking at the experience that I've personally had with it, looking at the experience my clients have had with it, and then bringing faith into it. I am Catholic. I have a master's in theology. That is my background and the lens that I look at everything. Our religion is how we look at the world. So why, like, why does it matter? Brittany, why do you always say they're Catholic? Because it does matter. How I view things matter. I say right in the intro of the show you know, that we are striving to live our lives to the fullest. My ultimate goal is not to just get as fit and as healthy as I can for this world, for this body, because I know it's fleeting. It's that I want to make my body as functional as I can while I have it, but within reason, within putting it in the proper order, not making an idol of it, and all those kinds of things. So this topic I'm going to approach in the same way, that there is definitely a religious side to it and a spiritual side to it and an actual vice side to it that we don't like to talk about. So what is emotional eating? Well, most of us, actually, we'll start with why. I think we know what emotional eating is, but why do most of us emotionally eat? And most of us are looking for comfort and think about that. The times that you've turned to food, we don't always call it, you know, again, you might not think, oh, was that really emotional eating? If you are turning to food in times that you feel lonely or sad or need a pick-me-up, that's technically emotionally eating. I'm not saying it's always bad. You know, there's good times that we can emotionally eat when we're at a celebration. I'm all for having treats at celebrations. You're at a wedding. You're, you know, having some drinks, having cake. 
you are probably eating more emotionally. You're probably not eating the cake because you feel hungry, but you're eating the cake to celebrate. It's a positive feeling. It's a positive emotion. So there's definitely times it can be celebratory, but a lot of the time when we turn to food, it's usually more in the quiet of, of you know our house away from people's eye, and that's when we turn to food to fill some kind of void we're feeling, to, to bring us immediate comfort. And there actually is something to that. So I know people have said like, well, you're not going to find comfort from food. No, you actually do. And this is, this was actually a study from Harvard's medical school that said stress seems to affect food preferences. Numerous studies, granted many of them were in animals, have shown that physical or emotional distress increases the intake of food high in fat, sugar, or both. High cortisol levels in combination with high insulin levels may be responsible. Other research suggests that ghrelin, a hunger hormone, may have a role. But here's the thing. So we're not going to crave our normal chicken and salads and ground meat and hard-boiled eggs and things like that when we're feeling stressed and want that immediate comfort. We're going to turn to the high-fat, high-sugar foods, which makes sense because think to what you turn to when you are eating because you feel lonely or sad or stressed. Stress is a big one. That's probably the one I hear the most. I don't think we even always identify it. We kind of have like the stereotype of, oh, you you know broke up with your boyfriend and eat a pint of ice cream. Like that's definitely always the funny thing in the movies and the thing that we identify with. But I think more often than not, the people who I see who are, are eating you know, beyond just what they need to sustain themselves, it's because of stress. It's usually stress eating. So you can kind of make that synonymous, stress eating or emotional eating. But here's the thing. So once you turn to those high fat, high sugar foods, you actually get a feedback to your body that dampens your stress-related responses and emotions. So it actually does tone down your stress temporarily, and they actually are comfort foods. That's why they're called comfort foods, because they actually can seem to have the effect of counteracting stress. So that, it just like, look at how the cycle keeps going. Then you're stressed out, so your body's like, okay, get high fat, high sugar foods. You get a little bit of relief, you get a little bit of comfort and relief to your stress symptoms, so then it just makes you crave it again next time. It's starting and like confirming this cycle. So when we feel whatever, you know, you feel down and out, that's why you're not reaching for an orange, okay, or an apple and almond butter. You're reaching for something usually in a package or whatever, a donut, ice cream, high fat, high sugar foods, because it does give us that relief. So knowing that, it's like, okay, Brittany, well, great. You just told me it is going to actually give me relief. So how the heck am I going to stop doing it? And that's where I'm acknowledging this is not a like, now here's the solution and you'll never do it again. This is something to constantly work at, right? I think the first step here is to acknowledge that emotional eating or stress eating is something that we actually struggle with. If any of this has resonated with you so far, if you're still listening, like that, you've probably had times you've done this. I did it in college. That is probably the time in my life I can remember stressing the most. And really, probably like the first year of our marriage, even I was pregnant. So I think I said that a lot of it was pregnancy cravings, but I definitely remember waking up and eating in the middle of the night. And I think it was more stress. So definitely college I did as well. But acknowledging that it is something you struggle with. If you find yourself turning to this a lot, like, oh, that makes sense. I am, when I am stressed out, I eat whatever. So first acknowledge that you're doing it, but then next decide to actually 
fight against it. The thing is, I think a lot of times people want to really kid glove this subject because it's like, oh, you can't talk about that. Somebody's struggling with food. Okay, struggle is a verb, right? Struggle implies action. It means you're actually fighting against something. If you just say, you know, I I have emotional eating or I have an emotional eating disorder, that's okay, great. You have it, so you're just like cool with it. You carry it around in your pocket. You're, you're it, no, it's oh no, emotional eating is something I struggle with. That's a whole different approach mentally. Thinking like, no, I actively fight against this, and so that's my point. Is all of us struggle with something? I'm not sitting here saying I never struggle with anything. I hope you guys know by now. I would never say that, but we have to realize that this is actually a negative thing, and maybe even go so far as to say it's sinful behavior if it goes too far and we are not trying to do anything about it. It's just like saying, you know, oh, I gossip instead of saying I struggle with gossiping. Like do something about it. Fight against it. Actively try to stop. Same thing with emotional eating. But if, you know, it's so ingrained and we've been doing it for years and that we've taught ourselves that's how we cope with stress, that's how we cope with negative news or things like that. It's going to be hard. We're going to fail just like anything else. You know how many times I go to the confessional and I have to say the same thing I said last time? You know, that's life. We're human. We're fallen people. So it's not that once we decide to fight against it, oh, good, I'm going to be cured. I'm never going to have to deal with this. But we're fighting. We're in the fight against it. So you have to realize it's something that A, you can decide to fight and B, you can actually overcome. I can honestly say I, I really could not tell you the last time that I've emotionally ate. And that is not me sitting on a high horse to tell you that. That is just the fact that that's just not something I currently struggle with. But I did for a long time. I remember sitting there stress eating pretzels, dipping them in peanut butter, and then sticking chocolate chips on them and like eating that for like a half hour straight, not even knowing what I was doing, or ice cream or something in college when I was stressed out. And You know, I'm a far place away from that, but it wasn't overnight. But you can kind of leave these things in the taillight. So one big thing, again, you bring in that religious side. First quote I'm going to read to you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Okay, right there. (laughs) Do it for the glory of God. Think that when you're sitting there like, is this for the glory of God? And yes, we can go really extreme with that. It says right in the line, or whatever you do. So whatever you should be doing in your day is done for the glory of God. If it's not being done for the glory of God, it needs to be cut out or it needs to be refined so that it is done for the glory of God. So when you think about that, it's like, oh, yeah, that really is a call to action of, okay, it's not, that doesn't translate as God never wants me to have treats. It's that it's very different to be having a treat socially, having a happy hour plate of nachos and a drink with your girlfriends than it is up at two in the morning, stress eating whatever's in the house because you want to eat your feelings and get some comfort from from the food that you're taking in. So different approach to it. If you're thinking about, you know, doing it for the glory of God, again, fight against it. All right. Another long one I'm going to read to you. I actually cut off the front so I can't see where I took this from. That's good, Britt. My, my copy and paste did me wrong here. Well, it is from an unknown chapter, a mystery chapter, chapter five, or mystery book of the Bible, I should say. Um, I want to say Galatians reading this. A lot of you are going to listen to it and be like, yep, that's Galatians, or nope, that's not at all. 
pretty sure it's a Pauline letter, though. But it's a chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, I chose to read that whole quote because I, I could have just stopped in the beginning when it says, don't don't gratify the desires of the flesh, right? But I chose to keep going because then when he talks about the fruits of the Spirit, he is mentioning everything that we need to help fight against this. Self-control, faithfulness. So we're trying to have self-control, right? That's the point. If you've decided to fight against this, then you you are, need to be trying to have self-control. However, you also need to have patience because you're probably not going to persevere immediately the first several times and just stay the course. Stay the course. It also says that last line, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Like, hello, guys, we're in the world and we've, we're supposed to be fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's not news. So then when we do struggle with things, we can't act like it's totally out of left field. Like, I have no idea why I struggle with this. Like, it must be the culture. It must be the diet culture. It must be this. It must be that. It must be genetics. I saw my mom stress eat. Now I stress eat. Whatever. It could be actually a combination of all of those things. However, the reality is we all are going to struggle with something. Somebody out there is struggling with alcohol. Somebody's struggling with making an idol of cleaning their house. Somebody's struggling with uh, perfectionism to such a degree that it's giving them like crippling anxiety. We're, and some of us struggle with emotional eating. So this is a struggle, but it's something we should be in the fight for, okay? In the fight against that we are trying to look at food as fuel and as a positive thing given to us by God to enhance our lives, to get us through our lives well um, provided for, ready for the work ahead. And also thinking about, you know, being a good steward. I was thinking about this a lot lately because I was thinking about this is a little bit far to say, but stay with me, that it is honestly a privilege to be able to overeat. And I don't think we think about that enough because we're we get caught in like, woe is me, I can't slow down and I can't, you know, control myself with this food or these snacks or whatever. But the fact that some people live in places where they literally could not overeat if they wanted to and don't have the means to do that and are going without so that they can feed their families, that it's a it is a privilege that we even can struggle with this. So just keep that in mind too. I know again, none of this is gonna cure it overnight, but bring that perspective to it. This it's a privilege to worry about stopping yourself from eating too much. All right. The next I would say to bring it to prayer, to ask God to give you the grace to carry this cross and to win ultimately against this temptation. Ask him for the graces every single day, every single minute that you feel tempted to go turn to food. Lord, give me the grace just to get through this next couple minutes where I really want this. Another step, I've just said this to a client last week, is to think of someone you can offer it up for. So 
that helps a lot. A lot of times we won't do something for ourselves, but if we think about bringing someone else into it, then it brings a new perspective to it. It makes us think, oh, guys, you probably hear my stomach growling through the microphone. So apologies if you hear that, ironically, as we're talking about emotional eating. Um, But think about somebody else you can attribute it to. This definitely helps me when I'm trying to give up sacrifices or do extra sacrifices. I'm not going to do it if it's for myself, but I have to get really specific with my intentions. So you can even think about it on a week span. Like, okay, this week I've been offered up for so-and-so. So every time I feel tempted to just turn to food for comfort, I am going to say no for the sake of so-and-so. I'm not going to do that. And I will distract myself and do something else instead, which leads me to my next point. Look for another habit to replace the turning to food. A lot of times we're just looking for comfort, right? We're looking for pleasure. We're looking for something to make us feel better. So a lot of times you can get that result from something else. It could be like a nice cup of tea. It could be just a totally different action, like reading a book, taking a bath, like soaking your feet, putting on a face mask, something that is going to bring you comfort and make you feel uh, pampered. I definitely find that a lot with moms, and I noticed that in myself that it was starting with little nightcaps because I liked the feeling of walking up the stairs, putting my kids to bed, walk, especially a couple of the nights that my husband works later, calming down the stairs, pouring myself a drink and sitting down, putting my feet up and having a drink. And many times too, then I work after they're in bed, but I, it's that action. Like before I pulled my laptop out to sit down and pour the drink. And then I was realizing like, Brittany, you're starting to have drinks like three, four times a week. Like this is a little too frequent for my taste. And, you know, I'd have one, I wasn't going crazy, but still it's like, I just like the action. I was able to identify that. So I started replacing it with sparkling water. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll just pour sparkling water into a wine glass and, you know, there we go. And obviously those are the kind of tricks I do when I'm pregnant anyways, but you know, I didn't notice how much that was creeping. And it was after the second child that, you know, I don't know, six months in when he was sleeping more, wasn't like attached to me all the time. It was, I started falling into that pattern. So sometimes it's really hard to just break the pattern totally, but it's easier to swap it out. Like that's what I realized. Like I'm just looking for the feeling for that vibe of sitting down, putting my feet up with the drink. I don't really care about the drink. So whatever, I can just swap that out. I can make it tea. I can make it sparkling water whatever. I could honestly have probably made it regular water with like lemon and lime in it and it would have had a similar effect to me. So try to turn that need for comfort and feeling, you know, like you get a little pick me up with something else that is not turning to food. All right. Lastly, if you can, I know this is not usually something we can easily do when we're trying to turn to food in, you know, in this emotional state, Try to stop and assess if you're actually hungry because you need to identify that you are even doing this. You know, like if you actually are hungry, go have something reasonable, reasonable being good for you or have a small serving of the thing you want, you know, because that's true. Sometimes there's we just have real cravings. You know, I really were very usually visually driven. If you're flipping through Instagram and you just saw a delicious looking brownie, you know, you might be craving that. And that's not necessarily emotionally eating. You're just kind of having a craving because you saw it, you're wanting it now, your body's telling you you want it, whatever. So if you, and especially if you are a little bit hungry, it's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry, you know, it's not bad to go eat something, but, and I'm not even saying it's bad to go eat a brownie, like go eat a brownie if you want to. 
But there's a difference between when we let the train run away and we're falling face first into a pan of brownies and we don't stop eating because it feels good and it's bringing us the comfort than it is to just enjoy your brownie, be able to stop. And that's the point that we want to be at. So I think this is, again, not a one-size-fits-all answer. It doesn't have a really easy solution. But I think we need to really just realize it is a vice. It's something that we, a lot of us struggle with. <laughs> like so often I get, that's why I said at the beginning of this episode, although you might you know not have it classified as something or be talking to somebody about it, so many of my clients, it's at least once a month I'm hearing, you know, I had a really bad week this week because work was stressful and then I just kind of went off the rails with eating or family life's been stressful. So I just totally went off my macros and did whatever I wanted. I hear this a lot. So re- we need to realize it honestly is a problem. Like that's not just something to laugh off and think like, oh, well, and not that everybody does that. Many of us then feel guilty and then shameful. And then there's a whole cycle of that and frustrated with ourselves for not being able to do it or whatever. And we can't do it by ourselves. Okay. We need God's grace. So recognize it's something you struggle with. Ask God for his grace all the time, every minute that you're struggling with it. And then try swaps and things like that. Try distracting yourself with something that can also bring you comfort that is not going to be detrimental to your health and, you know, take a toll on you, not only physically, but mentally and spiritually and all those things. So I'm not perfect here. I wouldn't, I never tried to imply that I am in any area. So I, this is a particular area that I have grown in enough to the point that I really don't think I struggle with it. I just shared with you that, you know, I noticed in myself probably a year ago before I got pregnant with this baby that I was starting to do that with drinks in a different way, you know, thinking like I just noticed the comfort of it. So just gave you an example there just because it's not necessarily food right now. It's, you know, we pick up little vices all the time. So I definitely am over here struggling with my own, but hopefully some of this was helpful or at least just even brought kind of open your eyes to maybe this is something you've been dealing with, but just kind of chalk it up to, oh, sometimes I'm stressed and I eat and maybe first addressing that this is kind of something you should fight against and Try to start curbing and buffing. Buffering? It's not really the word I want. Go back to curbing. Curbing. (laughs) All right, ladies. Thank you so much for hanging out today. If you are loving this podcast and have not done so yet, if you'd take a second to rate and review it, I would really appreciate that. I'm going to actually run a contest in the next coming weeks to celebrate the one-year anniversary of this podcast, and I will be doing some giveaways for those of you who have rated and review rated and reviewed, even if you have in the past. So just stay tuned for that because that will be coming up as well. But thank you so much. I'll talk to you ladies next time. 